0: Thanks to your generosity, like the offering that you just gave, um, I was able to attend the Unitarian Universalist Association's General Assembly last month. In the months and weeks prior to General Assembly, there was a lot of controversy within our denomination, which continues today. With serious charges leveled by mostly UUs of color that our denomination really needs to pay attention to and directly address, the many ways that they say that we perpetuate a culture of white supremacy, and we'll unpack that in a future service in detail. But at General Assembly, there were a lot of anti-racism workshops, including one called White Fragility, another called White Silence, both led by the prominent educator and author, Robin D'Angelo. I wasn't really excited about going to these workshops thinking, I know all this stuff. I've done a lot of reading and thinking and talking about race. I'm committed. I feel like I get this. But I went anyway, figuring maybe I could get some helpful resources for the service we'll do here. Among the first slides D'Angelo shared was something like, Excuses white people use for claiming they don't participate in racism or not doing the work of anti-racism. Among the excuses she listed, the ever-popular, I have black friends, and I lived in New York. <laughs> then came the excuse, I know all this stuff already. Yes. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. It was so helpful to see my excuse beamed in black and white on that PowerPoint. It was a humbling aha moment. Right, I thought. If I think I know everything, I won't be open to helpful critique or learning what more I might do. If I think I know everything, I'll think that other people are the problem and not take responsibility for my role in dismantling this system of which I do play a part. If I and others of us who are white are so fixed in our beliefs that we as well-meaning people could never engage in racist practices or help perpetuate racist systems, potentially transformative action is cut off at the roots. Looking around at the packed room of a couple hundred UUs at this white fragility workshop, I realized that there were probably a lot of people just like me who thought we knew everything we needed to know. And then we realized that we really didn't know. As white people, D'Angelo stressed that we needed to unlearn things about being white that we didn't even know we were taught. This not knowing was unsettling and uncomfortable and yet also full of possibility. As you just heard, the poet Rumi posits that there are two kinds of intelligence. One acquired from books and what the teacher says, collecting information from traditional sciences as well as the new sciences. As Unitarian Universalists, Pew Research tells us that we rank just below Hindus as the most educated religion. I think that one of the wonderful things about our congregations is that we are chock full of journalists and scientists and academics. Our minds are on fire in beautiful ways. So all praise to the analyzers and the cogitators who solve the great puzzles that we need to solve. Praise for the hypothesizers who imagine possibilities the professors who learn and impart crucial knowledge that changes us. So much is gained by this first kind of intelligence. Yet in our culture, the other kind of intelligence, as Rumi describes, is often not as celebrated, stressed, or cultivated. Just as it's a loss to dismiss the beauty of thought, I think we're missing something crucial about the human experience if we don't explore and honor this other kind of intelligence. This one, as the poet says, already completed and preserved inside you. A spring overflowing its spring box. A freshness in the center of the chest. This intelligence that's already here and yet so often missed. Zen Master Bong Sang explains, there's all of this bias toward knowing, but we really don't know. We have this radical teaching. How about admitting the truth that we don't know and go from there? If we really live that, everything changes. When we think about it, it's remarkable just to take a moment and realize what we don't know. I mean, as humans, we haven't solved the question of consciousness. How do we have this sense of self? And where is that sense of self located? Is it just in the brain? Or as some suggest, is the brain kind of a receiver taking in human consciousness, universal consciousness? We don't know if alternate life forms exist. And if so, in what form? We don't know if it's true that, as prominent scientists suggest, there are alternate universes or a multiverse. We do know that the mystery that scientists call dark energy makes up 68% of the universe. Equally mysterious dark matter comprises 27%, which means that about 5% of the universe is the stuff that we can see and observe. We don't know what happens when we die. We don't know how exactly life began. Is there a divine reality? And if so, what is the nature of this divine reality? Is there an ultimate purpose to life? And if so, what is it? And then maybe we thought we knew certain things about our country. Turns out, we don't. Personally, we don't know when our health Will return or when it will decline. We don't know how and when we will die or when we will lose the ones we love. At some junctures in these dizzying human lives of ours, we find that the ground we thought we had to stand on is not solid at all. What we think we knew about ourselves, our loved ones, our future, And it turns out that the only ground is groundlessness. We are left not knowing. In Zen Buddhism, there's a notion called beginner's mind, or some call it don't know mind. It's meeting life with an acknowledgement that each moment is new. It's a mystery ever unfolding before us. It's acknowledging that we don't know, and we may not know, and we can learn to be okay with that. Bon Song, again, he says, Don't know mine doesn't mean stupid. It means, what is it? Suddenly, our eyes are open, and we're vibrating with energy because we wonder, what? Rather than, oh, yeah, I know that. So this not knowing can actually give us life. It can give us vibrancy and energy to the world we live in. This kind of I know shuts everything down and we get stuck. Researchers from Loyola University of Chicago conducted a study, and they found that people who perceive that they are experts are far less open to alternative viewpoints far less open to new ideas. Those who think of themselves as experts are prone to thinking less creatively. The researchers dubbed this phenomenon the earned dogmatism effect. If I'm an expert, I know, and you probably don't. They go on to say that social norms dictate that novices, beginners, beginners, should adopt a more open mind. Or should adopt a more open-minded orientation, or as Shunru Suzuki puts it in his book Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. In the mind of the beginner, there are many possibilities. In the mind of the expert, there are few. So consider for yourselves, just for a moment. Are there ways that you have locked into a certain way of thinking or perceiving because you just know the way it is or the way it should be. I know for me that my beliefs about what I think I know about other people can get in the way of my relationships. I know he'll react negatively, so I won't bring it up. Oh, I know, she's just a jerk. She said in her way, she won't ever change. What gets cut off when we think about people in that way? Or what about our own experience? What's the use in trying, I know I'll never get it together? Or even, I know it's going to be a hard day. Really? What might change if we engage the world at least a little bit more often with beginner's mind or don't know mind. A couple weeks ago, I went to Florida to visit my mom and grandma. Awake early and unable to get back to sleep because of my mind spinning, you know those times. I took a long walk on the beach. I was thinking about all sorts of different and very useful things, Setting my intention for what I wanted to do with my day, thinking about the details of my impending move across town, thinking about what we might do together this year. My mind was like a wild and busy puppy bouncing from one thing to another. And then I see a little circle of people ahead of me on the beach. And other beach walkers come up to the circle and they stop and the circle grows larger And they're all looking away from the beach toward what I can see as I get closer is a giant turtle. Giant turtle. (laughs) At this point, I don't know what kind of turtle it is or anything other than she is huge, at least a couple hundred pounds, and beautiful. And she's laboring to cross the wide expanse of beach to the ocean. Never seen anything like it. I breathe in deeply. Oh my God. I look around at the circle of people gathered, young and old, all engrossed in this drama unfolding. The great turtle rests. She walks a few more steps on her awkward flippers and rests some more. And I'm not thinking about, that I'm experiencing this miracle. I'm weeping without knowing why. And these people, we would have just passed each other, but now we're together as one body pulling for this turtle. We witness this majestic being now find her gracefulness as she enters the sea, disappearing in crashing waves. Sky, and sea, bird and turtle, me and we, this world, this. In only don't know, Master Song San says, don't know mind cuts through thinking. It's before thinking. Before thinking, there's no doctor, there's no patient, Also no God, no Buddha, no I, no words. It's when you and the universe become one. The moment passes. The people disperse. I get good information from the sea turtle patrol volunteer. I learn I've just seen a loggerhead turtle returning to the ocean after laying her eggs. And I think that name, loggerhead, can't capture the essence, a millionth of the essence of what she is. Soon my chattering mind and planning mind and judging mind come back online, which is fine. If we're lucky, we are graced by many loggerhead turtle moments. When we're awakened beyond thought through no effort of our own, holding a newborn baby, witnessing the first tomato of the growing season, a sunset, a choir singing, voices somehow blending just right. As we spend 40% of our lives doing the same things in virtually the same way, it's understandable that we experience more beginner's mind moments when we're taking part in new and out of the ordinary Remarkable things. Isn't that why so many love traveling? It's all fresh, and the mind is awake to the novel sights and sounds and smells. Yet we don't need to wait for remarkable moments or far off places to experience beginner's mind. As the Rabbi Jesus said, Truly I say unto you, unless you will be converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Our children, you can see them. They haven't fallen asleep yet. They wander and wonder and show us that life on this good earth can be heavenly right here. We could start practicing right now. Just notice where your hands are right now. Just notice. Don't move them. Just notice. Did you put them there? Did they? Oh, they did. (laughs) How did they get there? Bring them closer and just look at your hands. For those of you who have vision issues, you can touch your hands or you can do both. Wiggle your fingers. Play with them. What wonders these hands are! skin and nails tendons and veins scars bones and flesh rose thorns how much they do for us without us even noticing the next time you're with your child your parents your friend or even somebody you find challenging if you can encounter them with beginner's mind. Connect with the person you're with. Give them your full attention. Maybe even try to disconnect, if only for a moment, from your concept of that person. So that you can be with them as if you were greeting a stranger. Be aware of what judgments you're making. See if you might let go of those, even temporarily. See what changes when you do. The next time you're at the mirror, look in your own eyes and see the being staring back at you. See if just for a moment you can let go of habitual thoughts and judgments you have about yourself, which you should have done or wish you were or how you wish you'd feel or look. Look. See if you can drop those thoughts just for a moment and take a moment and just be and experience and welcome the miracle, the mysterious being that you are. I'm sure many of you have seen or even probably performed in the play Our Town. In the play, young Emily goes about living her life along with the other residents in Grover's Corners. They work and gossip and fret about all manner of important things, including their own and others' failings. But in Act 3, Emily dies, and with the help of the character of the stage manager, she returns to Grover's Corners and revisits her 12th birthday. Emily can see from a off stage her mother and other characters living their lives but she can see that they're not appreciating each other or the miracles all around them. Emily sees with beginner's mind but it's too late for her. She calls out to the mother who can't hear her oh mama look at me one minute as though you really saw me. Let's really look at one another. And then she says, I didn't realize all that was going on, and I never realized. She tells the stage manager, take me back up the hill to my grave. But first, wait. One more look. Goodbye, Grover's Corners. Goodbye, Mama and Papa. Goodbye to clocks ticking and Mama's sunflowers and food and coffee and new iron dresses and hot baths and sleeping and waking up. Oh, Earth, you are too wonderful for anyone to realize you. And she asks her host, do any human beings ever realize life while they live it? Every, every minute? The stage manager says, no. The saints and the poets, maybe they do some my friends could we individually and as a community learn to realize life as we live it every every moment i don't know I invite you to take a breath settle in See what your body wants to do right now and do it. Stretch as you wish. Eyes closed if that's comfortable for you. If not, no worries. Breathing in. Breathing out. We rest in the mystery, welcoming all our doubts and our questions here in this quiet. Breathing in, breathing out, opening to life, opening evermore, to the wonder of it all. Breathing in, breathing out, experiencing that even when our busy minds wander, we are being breathed by life itself. A wonder of it all. Oh, great mystery. As we breathe in, as we breathe out, we pay closer attention and with great gratitude begin again to live. Ashe.